We are a people who have a great God. As you've heard the music already this morning, the worship, our focus on God. And we always come in here, we always gather together to love God and love people. Loving God and people is the main commandment of this book, The Revealed Word of God. Loving God and people is the mission of Thomas Road Church. Loving God and people is the prime directive, the mission for every follower of Jesus Christ that's listening. That's why we talk so much about love God and love people. That's why we we put it on t-shirts and mugs and put it on back walls, and that's why we teach about it in this series, Loving God and People. That's why we read Scripture. We're reading through the Bible. Jump in with us. You can start anytime. Come on, let's go. You're going to enjoy it. That's why last week uh, we gave you the Map Your Mission survey. It's a simple little survey. The link is on the screen, and I want you to, to take that. We're asking you to take this. Go to that website. Go to that link, or go to the QR code that's in front of you. We pushed it out through social and through email this week. We want you to take this survey. Why? It's just, it's just 14, 20 or so simple questions about where are you with loving God and loving people. If you don't know where you are, you don't know where you need to go next. So just take that, pray over it. We've got some resources for you. And honestly, if you do that, it helps us as pastors and church leaders to pray for you and to know how to serve you in a better way. So take that today. Make sure you do that. But it's all about loving God and loving people. And we've been loving God and, and hearing and watching people love God through the Old Testament. Specifically, this week we've been reading in Chronicles. If you can't love God in Chronicles, I don't know which book you can love God in, right? When you were reading those nine chapters of genealogies, come on now. That was exciting, wasn't it? Did anybody cheat? No, 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 no. Did. did you skip over that? Now, I hope that you read all of those out loud. By the way, in those nine chapters, you read 900 names. You said, yes, and it felt like it. Oh, Lord, give me something today, God says, and thou shalt have 900 names to read. Well, you say, who cares about 900 names? God does. God does. God loves to tell his big redemptive story. But we also have a a God who loves to talk about the characters in the story. I tell you what, who that's not boring to, those chapters, those names are not boring to the people who have those names. We have a God who knows your name, and sometimes he puts it into the story. Chronicles is an exciting two books, but sometimes we do. We say it's genealogies, and let's face it, it's just rerun, right? It's just a rerun. We saw that in Kings. We read First and Second Kings. We had Samuel, and then we had Kings, and now we're in Chronicles, and it's just a rehash. It's just a rerun. We're reading about David again and, and Solomon and some of these kings, but that's not true. Sometimes we get thrown off because in our Christian Bible, in the Old Testament, we've put the books First Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. So it just kind of reads like, all right, we'll just rehash this again. But that's not what Chronicles is. Matter of fact, our Jewish friends in their Old Testament, their scriptures called the Tanakh, they have our books. They group them in three sections. They group them in the instructions, in the prophets, and in the writings. And do you know what the last book in the Jewish scriptures is? It's the book of Chronicles. It's the last one. Why? Because Chronicles is not a rerun. It's a recap. 
It's a recap of everything that's been talked about since day one. What's the first word in Chronicles? The first Hebrew word in Chronicles is Adam. It starts with Adam, and the last phrase of Chronicles, Second Chronicles, is talking about King Cyrus, the king of the Persians, and he's sending Hebrew Judean cap- captives back into their land. It's the end of the Old Testament. So when you're reading Chronicles, know that it's not a rerun, it's a recap, and we get to see what God has done. Always appreciate it. Well, today we're going to talk about 2 Chronicles 20. Take out your Bibles, open your Bibles up. And tomorrow you're going to actually read this chapter, and I want to give you a little primer for it and do some of the lifting for you. But I want you to read and enjoy this passage tomorrow. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is about a king. His name is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is living 870 years before Jesus Christ. Jehoshaphat is the fourth king of Judah, and he's the seventh king since Saul in in, uh, the Jewish kingdom there. He is a good king, but he's got a big problem. His problem is three enemy armies have snuck around from the east side of the Dead Sea. They've come across down around the southern point of the Dead Sea, and then now they are on the west side. They are in En Gedi, 50 miles from Jerusalem. He is a good king with a big problem. There is an enemy in the valley, and he's going to have to face them. Now, this is such an appropriate passage because one year ago yesterday, one year ago yesterday, Friday the 13th, how appropriate, right? March, Friday the 13th, 2020, the pandemic had started and we had the shutdown in Virginia and many other states. The quarantine started. I was actually in Ohio with my wife and my daughter and we were visiting my mother-in-law. And I remember that day uh, being on the phone with Pastor Jonathan and our executive team, and we were all talking for several hours. How are we going to keep Thomas Road running for the next two or three weeks while this, until this thing blows over? <laughs> Sweet child, that, that's cute, wasn't it? Well, it lasted a little bit longer than two or three weeks. We've been in a valley this year, haven't we? We have been in the fire, we've been in the furnace, but Jehoshaphat has some good lessons, and if you haven't learned these three lessons we're going to talk about from the chapter today, today is a good day for you to start learning these, uh, these lessons. Why? Because as Dr. Paul used to say, either you've come out of the valley, you're in the valley, or you're getting ready to go into a valley. There's always problems. And so let's take a look at the story, verses 1 through 4. We're going to learn how to worship our way to war. We're going to learn how to sing in the valley. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, together with some of the Mennonites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Eden has come to fight against you. They are already in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid. And he resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. These enemies have come together and Jehoshaphat is afraid. He is terrified. It's good to know that even God's leaders, God's choice servants sometimes are afraid. Can I just pause the story and just ask you today? What are you afraid of? 
What is your greatest fear right now? It may be different than it was a year ago. What are you most afraid of right now? What is the enemy that's in a valley waiting for you? I want you to call it out to God in your mind because he knows what it is. What is the enemy? <clears throat> what, is, what is the darkness that is around you? There's three steps that we need to take with Jehoshaphat to learn how to deal with things in the valley. The first one, we saw it already. Number one, seek God. Number one, seek God. This is going to be a very simple teaching today. We just have to do it. Number one is to seek God. It says that Jehoshaphat, in the temple, he brought the people together and they sought the face of God. You're going to see that throughout the story today. What does it mean to seek? Seek means to search after, to go after, to inquire, to gaze at, to grab a hold of something. It's not just to look and move on. I'm searching. I'm seeking. And notice what we're going to see in the story. They sought the face of God. Now, when we're in the valley and troubles are all around us, we go to emergency mode and oftentimes we'll seek the hand of God, won't we? And there's nothing wrong with seeking the hand of God. Sometimes we'll say, oh God, we are seeking your hand. Would you point the direction I'm supposed to go? We're seeking you. God, we seek your hand. We, we want to look and see what you have in your hand for us. Please give us something. We seek God's hand. We say, God, we want to see you ball that hand up and, and deal some blows on our enemies. It's okay to seek the hand of God, but more importantly than seeking the hand of God is to seek the face of God. Because when you're seeking the face of God, you're, you're not looking at anything else and you're just gazing at him. Anybody with little kids or little grandkids, you're at the mall, they're having a meltdown. It's always at the mall or Walmart in front of everybody, isn't it? They're having a meltdown and they're just screaming and yelling and they're afraid of something or they lost something or they're hungry, whatever. And you just go up to them, and what do you do? You grab their face. You grab their ears. I don't know if that's appropriate, but you grab their ears. And sometimes they're just freaking out and screaming, and you just grab them, and you say, look at me. Look at me. Look at my face. It's okay. And for some of you, sweet family of God, some of you, God just wants to grab your face and say, look at me. Look at me. Look at Dad. Look at my face. It's okay. It's okay. Well, what's going to be in your hand? Don't look at my hands. Look at my face. Look at my face. Seek the face of God. But there's a second step, very simple. Verse 5 through 9, they're there in the temple. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of God in Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. He said, Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of all the nations? Power and might are in your hand. <clears throat> And no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Then they have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name and have said, he's going to quote something here, if disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence, hello 2020, famine, we will stand before this temple and before you. For your name is in this place. We will cry out to you because of our distress. You will hear and deliver. And he prays this powerful prayer. And then verse 12. This is your prayer as we walk out of here today, okay? They pray this. For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. 
And I want to pause right there because we need to pray, don't we? Because some of you have an enemy. Some of you are in the valley right now. So here's the prayer. Pray the prayer after me, all right? You ready? We are powerless. We do not know what to do. We look to you. Now let's make it more personal. Let's make it more personal. Pray this after me. I am powerless. I don't know what to do. I look to you. Folks, that is the word of God. Amen? Pray that prayer every day this week. This is how we love God. This is praying to God in a powerful way. And this is just number two. It's real simple. Seek God, number one, in the valley. But number two, pray to God. I know it seems simple, but we don't often pray like this, like we're desperate, like if God doesn't show up, it ain't going to happen. And he talks to God being the God in heaven, the God of gods, the God of all heavens. You see, because in their day, there were local gods, right? There were gods that were local, and they had all kinds of false gods. They had the god of Lynchburg, the god of Bedford, the god of Piney River, the god of uh, Evington, you know, the god of uh, Central Virginia, the god of Virginia. Church, you don't have a local god. You got a global god, amen? You've got a god who's bigger than all the communities. He is in the heaven. He is a universal god, and that's who we talk to. But notice what he prays here. It's always good to pray scripture. It's always good to pray scripture back to God. And Jehoshaphat here actually prays his great-great-granddaddy's prayer that he had prayed in that very spot in the temple. He prays it back to God. Because in his prayer of this chapter, he's actually quoting Solomon from 2 Chronicles 6, who had prayed this in verses 28 through 30 when the temple was being dedicated years before. And in that, Solomon prayed, Lord, this house here, this temple, when God's people, when the enemies besiege them in the land and its cities, and then and when there is a plague, hello, 2020, you can call out to God in this place because God's name is here. So he prays his great-great-granddaddy's prayer, Solomon, back to him. Solomon, but he also includes here some language from Solomon's answer to that prayer. That was a prayer of dedication at the temple. And a few days later, lots of celebration. One night, Solomon goes home. He's tuckered out. He's tired. And God shows up in his room. And God comes to him in, in the night. And he says, Solomon, that was a good prayer about the house. I'm going to answer it. And here's, I'm going, here's how I'm going to answer it. Now listen if you recognize God's answer, if this sounds familiar. Second Chronicles 7. God says, if I shut the sky so there's no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people and my people who bear my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. Does anybody recognize that passage? You may have it on a t-shirt. You may have it on a bumper sticker. It may be on a, on a thing, a plaque at home. It's a great passage. I heard that passage taught continually by a pastor of this church in the 70s when I was growing up. You've heard a pastor of this church talk about it this last year. If my people who are called by my name. But let's, let's go back because what do we do sometimes? Sometimes we say, that's right, God. We're going to pray and you're going to pummel the enemy. We're going to pray. You're going to heal our land. You're, gonna, you're just going to blow the enemy away. There's steps to it, aren't there? There are steps. 
Have you taken the steps here in 2020 and 21? The steps are, first of all, we, God's people, pray. They ought to pray this in D.C. Do you agree? But even if they don't, if D.C. doesn't pray it, if, if, if Wall Street doesn't pray it, if Nashville doesn't pray it, if Hollywood doesn't pray it, if the Republicans and the Democrats don't pray it, and by the way, they need to pray this. God says, that's all fine. I'm looking at you, church. I'm looking at you. You have my name on you. You are my people. If my people who are called by my name, now notice the steps. We pray. No, we do something first. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. We pray. We seek God. There it is again. And we turn from the evil ways that God shows us in the process of praying and seeking his face. So let me ask you about three of the enemies that are in the valley of 2020 and 21. Enemy number one, the pandemic. It's all conspiracy. It's fake. We're all going to die. Church, have you taken, you are God's people, have you humbled yourself on this issue? Have you humbled yourself, not to the government, have you humbled yourself to God on this issue? Have you prayed about this issue? Have you said, God, I'm going to sit here and seek your face about this issue? And have you turned from your evil ways that God has shown you about this issue? If you do, then he hears, then he forgives, then he heals. Another enemy in the valley this past year in America, racial tension, again and again. Racial tension. Ah, it's everywhere. It's nowhere. We don't have any problems. Everything is racism. Have you humbled yourself? Not to an agenda or a post. Have you humbled yourself to God on this issue? Have you prayed? Have you sought the face of God on this issue and listened? And have you turned from the evil ways that God has shown you on this issue? If you do, he will hear, he will forgive, and he will heal. Third enemy in the valley, political division. Election to January 6th, a dark, dark, dark day. Church, I'm here. I'm part of you. Have we humbled ourselves about political division? Have we prayed? Have we sought the face of God? And have we turned from the evil ways that God has shown us on this issue? If so, God will hear and he will forgive and he will heal. And if we're not seeing movement in these three enemy camps, the problem might be in here. The problem might be with me, God's people. But if we do those things, he steps forward. So how does the battle go? Well, this prayer meeting is still going on, verses 13 through 19, and the children are there, and the wives, and the husbands, and they're all praying at the temple courts, and Jehoshaphat, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the prayer meeting, the Spirit of God comes down and lands on Jehaziel. Jehaziel is uh, one of the musicians, but he stands up and starts prophesying. And he says some powerful things and gives courage and encouragement. And here's a, a lot of things he says. You can read it tomorrow. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number. For the battle is not yours, but God's. It's not even your battle. This ain't your fight. It's God's fight. Later on, what does he say? You do not have to fight this battle. Position your, yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of God. He says, you just show up. 
All you have to do, Jehoshaphat, all you have to do, Judah, is show up to be there and watch what God does. And when they heard that, Jehoshaphat knew that God had answered the prayer. And in the temple, all the people hit the ground, and Jehoshaphat put his face on the ground and humbled himself before God. When's the last time our faces touched the ground about these issues? And while they're down, you know what singers have to do, right? Singers in the moment, they have to stand up and sing. And the singers stood up, the Levites stood up and started praising God loudly. That's where God will show up and work when he sees people with their faces to the ground and people standing and praising. Then he's going to show up in the valley. So the next morning, what happened? Verse 20 through 26, they got up early in the morning. They all went out. Jehoshaphat was a good leader. He got some advice from the people. And they put singers out in front of the soldiers. So here's the processional. They're going into the valley to fight the enemy. They put singers out there. Well, you know, singers are, you know, they're expendable. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But they're in front of the soldiers. That doesn't make any sense. And they march out and they're singing. And they kept singing and kept singing. Here's what they sing. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. They're quoting Psalms 136 and they repeat it over and over and over and over and over. So let's try it here. This side. Okay, this side, give thanks to the Lord. This side, his faithful love endures forever. You ain't winning no battles with that. And they keep marching and singing that, and God takes that sound, and he confuses the three enemy camps who hadn't worked together before, and they start attacking each other, and they destroy each other. And when Jehoshaphat and the singers and the soldiers come over the ridge into the valley, everybody's dead. Why? Because the battle was the Lord's. The battle was the Lord's. And all they do for the next three days is what? Go home? No. They go and get the plunder from the enemy and they take it back home. For three days they do that. Anytime you read three days in the scripture and God taking some, something, some plunder from the enemy and taking it back home, you ought to praise God because there's Easter coming. And so they come back home and they're praising God. And matter of fact, it says here at the end of the passage, it says they, they assembled and they named the valley, the valley of Barakah. The valley now becomes Barakah. Barakah means blessing, blessing. Folks, here's what God wants to do for you. He wants to take your valley of battle and he wants to turn it into a valley of blessing. And he will do it if you let him do that. Number three, they worshiped God. It's that simple. They worshiped God. They worshiped God. They, they were seeking God. They were praying to God. And they worshiped God. But now let me show you, let me remind you what it means to worship God. Worship God, number one, is not just singing. It's not just singing. Worshiping God means to do work. What did Jehaziel say? He said, show up on the front line. Stand up. Get, get in the morning. Come in the morning. You can't text it in. You can't call it out. This is not WandaVision. You can't sit back and watch. You got to get in the hex. You got to show up for the battle. As he said, but it's God's battle. It is God's battle, but he needs an audience. And so do the hard work of worshiping God. We worship, but God is the warrior. 
Some of you say, I just want to pray out to God. I, I want to ask God. I keep praying for my marriage. I keep praising God and singing a song in here and praying that God will heal my marriage. Maybe what God wants you to do is worship your way to the marriage counselor. Maybe he wants you to call a counselor and to set the appointment and you can drive over there and show up in the office. You can sing and pray all the way there. But until you're there, what's God going to do? You got problems with your prodigal son or daughter or grandchild, but you're not showing up for the battle. You're praying, which is part of it, but you've got to do the work. You've got to give God valuable things. You've got to spend time with them and go where they're at and help them with their homework or their car or get them a job, whatever it is. You've got to do the work of worship. Sexual integrity. The Old Testament talks a lot of times about sexual integrity is actually part of worship. We need to abstain and purify ourselves, and then God can use us, and then we come in and we have something to sing about. Do the work of worship. But then there is this beautiful picture. Yes, they showed up. The problem with some of you, you haven't seen victory because you haven't shown up for the battle yet. You haven't shown up for the battle, and it's time to show up for the battle. But then we sing, and they did sing, and it seems like a foolish thing to sing because singing is so ridiculous. You kind of breathe, and the song goes out, and it's gone. Meredith is just sang a beautiful song, but it's gone. Why did they sing? They were singing because they were giving God back the very breath that was in their lungs. And when we sing to God, God wants us to praise him, and we're breathing back uh, his praises to him. If you think back to creation, creation was a place where what did God put in man's lungs after he was created? The last thing he put into man was the breath of God, the very breathing of God. What's the first thing that happens when a baby comes out? A baby comes out, and the first thing in this life is, they breathe back out. They, they sing that little cry that makes the mother smile. It's breathing back out the, the, the life force to God. It even happens when, um, when we're going into the times of death. But why do we sing? We sing because when we breathe out to God, it's us saying, God, I'm going to give you the very breath that you put in my lungs, and I'm going to praise you right now. When we sing and we hear, our body hears ourselves singing, and when we're stressed and angry or frustrated or depressed, our ears hear the body saying, we're going to sing, and it relaxes us, and it, it raises endorphins and all kinds of good things, and it lets us know it's going to be okay. When we sing in here with each other, you realize you're not alone this week. You're not all by yourself. There are brothers and sisters singing around you, and we sing together, and it's going to be okay. And when we sing and when we expel that, that breath of God, <laughs> what does it do to the enemies? The enemies go, oh my goodness, what is that sound? It sounds like the sound of a rushing wind. Guys, we better get out of here because when we praise God and sing in front of our enemies, it lets them know. We don't have much to bring to the battle, but our God is bringing powerful things to the battle. What's the last thing that we do a lot of times when we're uh, right before we, we go to see Jesus, we're breathing out and singing. There's a picture here I want to show you. This is a picture of um, my family, and I showed you one earlier uh, similar to this. But this is a picture of my family uh, on my daughter's wedding day. Aaron and Carissa, it's their, their third anniversary uh, this week. But there's four older people standing there. My mom's standing there. 
And she has promised me that she's going to live to 100, so we have a covenant there. But those other three older people in that picture are all with Jesus now. And we had the opportunity, when each of them was passing away, we played music for all three of them. And they sang their last breath to God. Why? Because when you breathe your last, you want to praise God, and you want to see God do big things for you, and you want to see God have the victory. My dad, on the one end here, uh, as he was passing away a couple of years ago, he, um, we put a little uh, iPad on his uh, chest there, and he was, we played George Beverly Shea. Now, the older people, you know what I'm talking about. George Beverly Shea. Young folk, just ask one of the older people there. My father-in-law, just five months later, he, as he was passing away in Ohio, they played music for him. It was Southern gospel music. Now, that's a whole other story. But he was praising God as well. And my mother-in-law, that's Mary there on the left, a good woman, a good woman. And Christmas time this year, she got COVID. And she was in the hospital for a couple weeks on a ventilator. And we would do the Zoom calls around her. God bless you, nurses. And we weren't able to go in, but we were able to see her. And we prayed over her. And Christmas week, she passed away. She died of COVID. But while she was going home, we would play, and we played a song on the Zoom call one day, Andrew Peterson's He is Worthy. We've sung it here before. Why? Because we just wanted all of our loved ones to breathe their last breath by praising God. By the way, that's the way I want to go out. Would you agree? Praise God, worship Him when you're in the valley. How did it all work out? Well, you saw that God defeated the enemy. Verses 27 through 30, they come back into the city. The men of Judah, they come back in. Men, can I just remind you, you need to lead the praise parade back into the city. Guys, men of the church, we need to be leading praise for our families and our kids and our wives. And it says as they came back in, the story of this situation got out to the other enemies around uh, Judah And they were terrified, and the rest of the enemies never attacked. Because when you praise God, the word gets out that you've got a strong God. Not only that, at the very last here, it says, and the kingdom was quiet. (sighs) Don't some of you just long for quiet in your family? Not not, not sound, but, but just shalom, peace, quiet. And God can bring that if you will seek him, if you will pray, and if you will worship him. All of 2020 and 21 so far is summed up by these three here, right? We are powerless. We don't know what to do, but we look to you. Do not be afraid, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Give thanks to the Lord, for his faithful love endures forever. Brother, sister, are you in a valley today? Are you facing an enemy? Seek God's face. Be satisfied with that. Pray, worship him, and God will take your valley of battle and turn it into a valley of blessing. Let's all stand together. And as we stand, some of you may be in the valley, and God's not in the valley with you because you don't know him as your savior. Our pastors and counselors are gonna be down here front. If you wanna pray with somebody and talk about salvation, 
your first step is to cry out to God for salvation. But for the rest of us, God, we just want to praise you right now. God, we thank you for who you are. These are your people, Lord. We will humble ourselves. We will show up. We'll do the work. But God, you show off. You defeat our enemies for us, God. We believe in you. We trust you. We love you with all of our hearts. In the strong name of Jesus. Church, how many of you are in the valley? Would you be honest? How many of you are in the valley right now? Raise your hands. How many of you are in the valley? Come on now. You need God in the valley with you. Do you believe God's in the valley with you? Do you believe? Well, let's praise our way out of here and thank God for how great of a God he is. Let's sing. The army of Jehoshaphat saying give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Let's leave this morning singing this song of praise and assurance to the Lord. thank you for joining with us today. If you've never come to the place of recognition of being a sinner and needing a savior, you can do so right now. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life. 
Just ask him to save you today. Now, if you'd like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of his son, Jesus, we'd love to chat with you about that information. I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen. It's pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Jesus Christ in your life. If you'd also like to help contribute to our ministries, we take this message of the gospel around the world. Go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with the amazing message of God's love. Help us let people know that God loves them, that Christ died for them, and that we can find hope in Jesus.